Hi, I'm Gideon Spanier, the UK Editor-in-Chief of Campaign, and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Maisie McCabe, UK Editor, to discuss the latest industry news and trends. Hi, Maisie. Hello. Lovely to be here. Maisie and I have been in Brighton for Media360, um, and uh, later on in the podcast, you're going to hear Maisie's interview with Alessandra Bellini, who's Chief Customer Officer of Tesco and President of the Advertising Association. And we've got um, some highlights of that conversation. But uh, first, we thought it'd be fun for Maisie and I to talk a bit about what we've been up to because it's a really busy time this time of year. Maisie was at the Creative Equals conference. I was at the Enders Deloitte conference. Both of us were at the PPA festival for the magazine industry. And it's I think it's interesting to kind of get a sense of the, the temperature, if that's the right word, in our industry. It, nearly every time I go to one of these events I feel like I bump into people I haven't seen for two years uh, and it's lovely um, so Maisie yeah how, how, how have you been enjoying it how was Creative Equals? Yeah it was great so the Rise Conference I think has been running for about six years but it's actually the first time I've been to it in person and so um, it, it's a really uplifting event where you know there's sort of it's very positive and welcoming in the room but also is quite a safe space so you have people there's an opportunity for people to talk about difficult personal experiences as well as part of the agenda so last year um it was a online event obviously and so campaign is involved in creative equals future leaders which is um a list of 30 kind of up-and-coming female, non-binary and gender non-conforming talent in the industry, a particularly creative part of the industry. And so we partnered with them on that again, which was fantastic, and so went through the list of the winners at the end of the conference. Um, Earlier on, there was a great session, well, provoking session on um, the campaign for the industry to introduce what they're calling a fair NDA clause, Um, And so this is looking at the use of non-disclosure agreements by companies in the industry, particularly around allegations of sexual harassment. And the idea is that they would like people to separate out um, any monetary value as part of the arrangement from a gagging clause, um, with the idea being to kind of discourage companies from um, combining the two, um, which in some cases would mean people would forfeit the money that they have been given should they talk about their experiences. Um, and it's particularly they're particularly trying to target like some of the really wide-ranging um, clauses that are, are, are used at the moment whereby a person could be essentially prevented from talking about the work they've done in the job because they're not allowed to talk about that business at all and not allowed to talk about the people they work with in the business, you know, in, in kind of areas that far, you know, go far beyond the matter, um, you know, which brought them to the arrangement in the first place. And um, with, the, with the sort of mood there, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of talk about, frankly, the, the lack of progress in some areas around inclusion uh, I know you spoke about there's a gender pay gap and there's some of the reporting campaigns done. What what was the sort of sense uh, about the progress or lack of progress? Well, there's been some progress and it's hard because you don't want to kind of devalue work that's been done or, or kind of, you know, or not celebrate progress that's happened by 
questioning whether it's gone far enough, but those questions remain. So I think they included the stat that 27% of creative directors are now women in the UK, which is obviously a huge improvement from the 12 that I think we were at in 2016. But obviously, when you compare it to the 50% of women in the population, there's still quite a long way to do go. Um, and it's particularly important to note that the UK is actually one of the most progressive nations in terms of female creative directors. So it's like that is good currently in the globe, which is I guess, even more depressing. Um, and then when you look at intersectionality and look at different, you know, you know, whether that's people of colour or LGBTQ plus representation or disability representation, you know, the stats are even worse. So, yes, there has been some progress. Obviously, there's lots of really amazing creative talent in the industry, um, but there is still quite a long way to go. Well, that's interesting. And uh, at the same time, I happened to be at a different event that day, which was uh, the Deloitte uh, Enders Conference. Enders Analysis runs this conference, which is pretty broad on all of media. Uh, It's included, though, quite a lot on advertising. And uh, Dominic Carter, who is the EVP and publisher of The Sun, was um, he did touch on the whole talent issue, and uh, it's obviously been a big issue in the last 12 months, 24 months, with all the movement we've seen in the industry. And he, he was just saying what we know, that there's been uh, a lot of uh, noise, I think was a word he used, uh, about inclusion and diversity, but actually there needs to be more tangible efforts made. And um, you know, I think that's that's something that, it was interesting for the audience to hear because I, I can tell you that there wasn't that much focus on it at the Enders conference. What there were as you know, two big business themes, for me anyway, for the advertising industry, um, one was talk about recession, quite a lot of anxiety about that. So Dominic Carter, you know, from a publishing side was being fairly, how can I put it, optimistic in the circumstances, saying he thinks that, you know, the media sector can weather the storm. The forecasts for this year have been fairly positive that 2022 was going to be a good year. But of course, that was before the Ukraine war and the cost of living crisis. And I think there is quite a lot of anxiety about the decline in, um, well, consumer spending power. At a certain point, you know, advertising is driving consumption. If consumption uh, is hit, it's advertisers might spend less. And Carolyn McCall, who is CEO of ITV, she was admitting, you know, it, there's no way that ITV can be immune, that uh, advertising revenue can be immune. Um, it's going to be a funny year, though, because the World Cup at the end of the year means that football is, you know, a huge, huge, um, it's going to be, a, it's just changing the year. This time last year, we had the Euro uh, 2020 build up um, for the rescheduled tournament. And this year we've got Qatar. So that's actually putting other interest, raising other interesting questions. I think the other big thing that came up in the room was around the role of uh, the the future of TV because Channel 4 privatisation was absolutely on people's minds. It didn't actually get discussed that much. Alex Mann from Channel 4 was on the stage and obviously made a, a pretty strong case for saying that Channel 4 should stay in public hands. But what I think was perhaps more interesting from a kind of strategic point of view was what might happen with AVOD, with advertiser-funded video on demand and streaming. 
And Simon Pitts, who runs STV, made a really interesting point. Uh, what with you know, Netflix considering taking ads soon and the sort of pressure of cost of living on subscription payments is how the next 10 years could be as big for AVOD as the last 10 years were for SVOD. Now, you've got a lot of people from the, you know who have advertising businesses, advertising funded businesses, willing AVOD to do well. But it's really interesting, I think, if streaming, paid for streaming might be hitting some kind of wall. And again, it sort of brings that inflation, uh, high cost of living uh, story into focus. So, yeah, I don't know, Maisie, whether you, uh, in whether it's at these events or elsewhere, whether you get an impression that the cost of living is really uh, weighing on people's minds in the advertising world. Possibly not as much as it could or should do. <laughs> well, that's interesting. And I, I think advertising has been amazingly resilient. In it, After the first three, four months of the pandemic, advertising has come back in, in a big way. Um, I, I, someone did say to me that, in this was at the British Media Awards, which we ran. They were saying to me that the, the Ukraine, the start of the Ukraine war, did lead to an immediate uh, sort of pause with some brands uh, turning off sort of programmatic spend quite quickly. There's sense that now, with when things happen, companies can react much faster with their digital spend. Um, so, I, I do think it's something to watch. Um, the last thing is, as in our continued efforts to get out and about, we, we we both were at the PPA Festival for the magazine industry talking about campaign. So uh, that's nice, but I'm not sure how much people want to hear us talk about ourselves. Yeah, quite different being on a person on the panel rather than the moderator, I think. Yeah. <laughs> not used to being on that side. <laughs> yeah, having to answer the questions instead of ask them. Um, but uh, again, I think for... If we did talk about subscription, uh, you know, for SVOD, yes, Netflix and Disney Plus and so on have had amazing growth. Um, actually, without wanting to toot our horn too much, campaigns had good subscription growth. And um, that's down to obviously, um, hopefully providing uh, you, the readers, the listeners um, with content you want to pay for and doing a good job and uh, I'm really pleased that at the BSME Talent Awards, which are Talent Awards run by the British Society of Magazine Editors, we're up for seven nominations. So that's great. Maisie is up for new editor. Uh, Gemma Charles, our deputy editor, is up for best business writer. The team uh, who have worked on the knowledge, our premium uh, content offer. So that's um, Maria Yu and Nicola Merrifield. I'll have have got nominated uh, for Best Subbing and Production. We've had Beth Coombs and Mike Porter. And for our video series, Pick of the Ads, Imogen Watson and the team. And mentioning Channel 4, our For the People campaign, orchestrated by Maisie. And finally, we've got a shortlist for diverse, diversity inclusion for the sort of efforts over the whole year. So uh, I think Maisie and I are very proud that uh, it's all the team efforts that we're, we're doing our best to you know, build the campaign brand, serve the audience. Yeah, indeed. No, um, yeah, still in job by, by you putting the entries together. So uh, Maisie, you spoke to Alessandra Bellini and um, it would know, be great to 
hear what she had to say with these two hats. So the as the president of the ad association and the chief customer officer of Tesco. And actually, interestingly, to your point on Don Carter, um, talent is really high up on the agenda at the Advertising Association and in her work generally. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's interesting. So live from the Media 360 conference in Brighton. Thank you. So I'm delighted to be joined by Alessandra Bellini for our first session this morning. I couldn't think of anyone better to start this conference. An accomplished marketing and business leader, she's also a proud member of WACL, an enthusiastic supporter of talent and a driver of positive change. So as Chief Customer Officer at Tesco since 2017, she's overseen the revival of the supermarkets brand, which was recognized with the IPA Effectiveness Awards Grand Prix in 2020. She became the president of the Advertising Association in October 2021 and is currently working with the team on the next agenda. At the start of your career, you worked in advertising for 12 years, starting as JWT as an apprentice, which I think That's might come right. up later. A long time. Ago. Well, sh- <clears throat> um, and then t- you spent 20 years at Unilever in marketing and general management roles in Italy, Central and Eastern Europe, and the States. Latterly, as vice president of North America for food and also managing director of the US, before coming to the UK to join Tesco. Um, She lives in London, and I love this detail. Apparently, you drive around in a baby blue Vespa. Of course. Yeah, totally on brand. Full stereotypical Italian. That's fantastic. How do the streets compare to Italian? Oh, really easy. (laughs) I started to ride uh, ride my scooter in Rome, so after that, everything is fine. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, So I guess we're going to talk, we've got a really short space of time, um, but before we get to this kind of issue of talent, I was wondering if you could set the scene for us. So how healthy... Um, do you think the advertising and media industry is at the moment? Big question. Well, look, <laughs> thank you everyone for having me here and thank you for the introduction too long for the time that we had. We're gonna, we'll squeeze it a few minutes. Yeah. Um, look, this industry, the advertising industry, is actually very healthy and very buoyant. Um, the public, recently published figures say that industry grew by over 33% in 2021 uh, to £32 billion uh, pounds. Yeah euros, pounds, and it's expected to grow this year as well by about 10% to 35 billion pounds. Um, That should really fill fill us with confidence. However, a couple of things. What's driven that growth has been the growth of the online channel, e-commerce, and online ways, you know, digital ways of engaging with customers and consumers, which is also rapidly growing and very buoyant, and inflation. So it's very healthy, and the UK particularly represents, um, you know, one of the most advanced uh, advertising world in, in the world. is the third largest market. We export creativity. We win a lot of prize awards for creativity and effectiveness. We have employ uh, over 300,000 people in the UK, and, and indirectly give jobs to about a million people. So it's a real force for business as well as for creativity. However, there's a couple of things that are on our minds, which are uh, probably unsurprisingly, part of the growth is driven by inflation. So how much of that will continue? It's not actual volume. And we are in the midst of a crisis, which is the cost of living crisis. So will that impact companies' budgets because of the consumer spend might 
you know, is shrinking. We see markets that are in, in decline. And that's obviously something that we need to keep in mind, as well as potentially a talent crisis. Mm. Well, that, that's very smooth. She's done this before. Um, so how, what, what, what is the role, do you think, in talent in kind of grappling with that multifaceted kind of challenge? Well, if you add to the current situation the fact that in the UK for the first time we have more vacancies than people looking for a job, and unemployment is at its lowest since 1974. So there is a shortage of talent in, in the market. And we feel also there is a shortage of talent and a crisis in talent in the industry. The industry that is so buoyant, that has so much potential for growth, for truly representing and connecting with the people of this country, entertaining them, informing them, you know, creating growth for brands, and yet, we find that the talent is really shrinking in the industry as well. So it is one of my passion points. I really want to make sure that we understand why, that we understand the reasons, and then that we set up a strategy to tackle the challenges that we have. And, and do you have any kind of specific kind of answers yet? I know you've been only so oh. six months into the role. <laughs> yeah, not quite. No, what we've done, the first thing that we've done, we, we launched a talent uh, task force. And as you do, the first thing that we're trying to understand is the why. So what is really happening in the industry when it comes to talent? We're looking, to, looking at it qualitatively. We're interviewing HR professionals in the industry, agencies, media owners, industry associations to see how they see the market from the recruitment nurturing of the life cycle of their colleagues and experience but we're Keeping, also looking I think, at isn't it? that middle so, bit that middle yeah, bit is very important well all of it I think we'll find <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're also looking at some of the numbers we'll use some of the uh, statistics that are available mm. we have some initial findings it's too early the full report will be published in August and then we will set uh, with a task force our strategy to tackle it but some initial findings are already available Okay. Can you share any? Or? Yeah, we have like three or four areas that I think, unsurprisingly, I have to be honest, are coming through. And this is qualitative evidence. But we're hearing that, well, first of all, there's, a, there's potentially a problem with our salaries in this industry. So whilst the GDP, CPI, and average of industry salaries have all grown in the last 12 to 18 months, scaringly, the average salaries in the industry have gone down. So we created a real gap that's never happened in the last, I think it was 10 years that we've looked at those two curves lining up. So there's a, potentially a problem of attractiveness from a financial perspective. What we're also hearing is that there is a requirement for new skills, and we'll talk a little bit yeah. about that, and training. Um, we feel there's also a problem of representation, of inclusion and diversity in the industry. Are we truly, truly representing the country and the potential of the talent that we have? in all parts, all levers of society, um, and potentially the conditions and the ways of working in the industry. So these are some of the things that we're hearing, which will look to justify and, and look at the data to make mm. it very robust. You mentioned diversity and kind of inclusion mm. there. What role does the all-in census play? So really exciting. The all-in census plays that was the first of its kind survey uh, where over 16,000 people in the industry had been interviewed in 2021. We published it last year, where we found in truth that as an industry, we are not representative. Uh, we're not representative of the talent that we have in the country. We are not as young or not as old as the country. 
Our social mobility is very poor. Our geographical presence is not bad, but nearly 50% of it is in London. And yes, more than 50% is outside London, but I think the country split is not quite like that. Our gender representation is below the average, our disability, people with disability representation, and so on and so forth. And people actually don't feel that they can bring themselves to fully to, the, to their work. Um, so it, there is a lot of work to be done. I'm really excited because what we started to do as an industry is also not just you know, observe the problem, but start to encourage companies with some simple actions. We published six. Uh, we're going to publish another nine, and we're going to address every aspect of inclusion and diversity. And I'm really encouraging all of you, if you haven't done it, to look up those six um, actions. They're very simple, and they are a way of starting this journey. I see Alina here. I know you, you'll talk a lot about that later, so I'll leave her okay. the big piece. But it's a really important piece of the, this jigsaw puzzle to, yeah. to face into the challenges. Um, and you mentioned salaries as kind of one potential issue. What else are people looking for, you know, in terms of their employers and an industry that they might want to work in? Well, um, we haven't spoken to the people yet, so that's the second part that we <laughs> okay. will do. But uh, hearing the professionals, what we're hearing from them, you know, everybody talks about digital skills, so that's a big thing that comes up. And we always smile because digital skills is everything and anything these days. So yes, we believe that people need to understand how to develop the content, how to engage consumers on the online channel, how to work in e-commerce, how to master digital skills, but actually, we believe there's room for us to be much clearer about what digital skills are. We're really working with the industry association, but also the government to, oh, wow. to actually put together something around digital skills that can be really useful for companies, part of the industry association, and for the actual employees to have a proper curriculum for them to improve. And that. so is that to help the government understand what training the industry offers? Well, how that might actually, is, is the training is often available. Yeah. So we hear from our associates that they, you know, everybody claims to have the best training in several areas, especially digital, and often they don't know how to choose. So one of the ideas is to really convene with other industry associations with the uh, BAYS, I'm told, which is, well, I won't tell you what it is because <laughs> you're supposed to know, otherwise I forget the acronym. <laughs> but it's part of the government as all of the other professional associations to convene a forum where we can look at what is available and publish for all the companies, recognize reputable training courses that people can then uh, enroll to, that companies can offer to their employees, and just have the menu ready, which would be probably the best way to do it. Because I think it is sort of e-commerce, you mentioned earlier as well, is that particular kind of growth area, do you think? The well, we are the largest um, e-commerce uh, market in the world. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at a per capita spend for our consumers, it's the biggest in the world. Um, overall, in terms of spend, we're third behind uh, China and the US, but really, we're avid online consumers, so it is an area that we need to develop, for sure. Oh, and, and, and a place that you play in as, as well, I guess. Yes. I think there's been a, some discussion about um, kind of Tesco's own media um, in recent time. I mean, is there anything that you can say about Tesco as a channel, given I, that we have I, lots I, of... Presumably, uh, I know you're not used to speaking in that way. No, I would, I would... Look, given the time, okay. I'll do a plug. There's later today, Nick, or tomorrow? Well, Nick Ashley's here, and he's the head of media and campaign for Tesco, and he's going to talk about uh, Tesco own retail media. So why don't I leave it to him? Okay, He'll do it much enough. better than me anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs>
<laughs> Great. So, I mean, in, in addition to your work on the AA, obviously, you're in charge of one of the biggest brands in the UK. Um, so, beyond the issue of talent, is there sort of one thing that's keeping you up at night? Yeah, there is one thing that's keeping me up at night. It's actually two, but they're related. The first one is the cost of living uh, crisis. We see it in our customers every day, how they're making choices because they do not have enough money to buy the grocery shopping. So we're not talking about big spends, you know, these are simple choices. Um, when I was just uh, saying this morning, when you're in a company and, and your customers and consumers write to you directly about how they feel, about what you offer to them and how their experiences with you as a brand, but also as a service, it comes very you know, becomes very real. Yeah, I can imagine. And so that is on our mind. How do we champion value in a, at a time when it really matters to people? And if I transfer to what we're trying to do here, I would encourage all of us to remember that our job is to provide advertising, media services, and creative services for our real people that live in this country who have real problems. So whilst it's lovely to be in this uh, forum, I would really, really encourage us to remember there's real people out there proving with empathy and sympathy and authenticity and worry about the real things that people have to struggle with every day. And linked to that, how do we help people to make better choices? It is one of the roles of advertising, after all, is to help people being informed, educated, entertained. How do we do it when it comes to sustainability, which is another big pillar of the yeah, association yeah. as well, which is very important. Um, so those are the two yeah. priorities that we have yeah. as a brand, and uh, the, do you, the tough um, to crack. We've got the. Pardon me. Um, obviously, Adnet Zero has been a, a kind of huge initiative of huge. the AAs over the last. Uh, I don't know when it started. Sorry. Two years. Also two, two years. Yes, two years. I think um, really, really important. It is, you know, it is a challenge we have across every industry. I'm delighted to see that the association started. Um, the at net zero is the commitment to have to go to zero um, net, net neutral emissions from the advertising, the creation, the production, and the placement of advertising by 2030. Hugely important because we don't even have a clue what, how much we create, carbon footprint we create. So it's chaired by Sebastian Munden, it's made great strides and I actually want to thank Campaign because we've just launched the Ad Net Zero Awards. So please, please, if you haven't read up about it, please do and submit your work. We really want to see the breadth in the industry of the work that's going on. We want to help the industry and the association to measure, to learn how to reduce the carbon emissions of our work and also ultimately to become net zero. So it's hugely important. Do we have any questions in the room? We've got a mic, haven't we? Can you yeah. say who you are as well? Just yeah, for the room? Matt Hill from Thinkbox. So I just wanted, um, how much do you think the, the, the pandemic has impacted the, uh, the talent crisis? I think, you know, it, in some ways I've really enjoyed being able to sort of spend time at home and have a bit of peace and quiet when the kids aren't, are actually at school, that is. But um, I, I can imagine for young people it must have been really, really hard to um, sort of get into an industry and learn around it. So I just wonder what the impact that's had and what you think we should do uh, going forward to, I, I, I guess, repair any damage that's been done. 
Well, look, the pandemic has had several impacts on the, uh, this industry. The one impact was that it's grown the advertising market in the year. The government became the number one in advertiser during the pandemic, so it's also been positive. The second positive impact has been that because of the role that advertising played during the pandemic, from brands, from services, from the government, from the NHS, suddenly the impression of people of advertising is more positive, so the trust in the sector has improved, so it's not all bad. Clearly, talent is as benefited and, and suffered at the same time. And we're all trying to grapple with that because it means if you enter an industry, a company for the first time, you don't actually know, have a, haven't got any clue who you're working with, what the culture is, what, you know, what's the fabric of that company or what does it mean to work in that company other than your specific job. Um, but yes, at the same time, you can walk your dog, look after your interests, your hobbies, your passion or caring responsibilities you may have. And as we now go back to a world of hybrid working from office and from home, we're all struggling to understand what's the best balance because um, we've just done this also ourselves in our company. And the one thing we can, only ag we can all agree on is that nobody agrees with what the final model has to be. So whatever, you're damn if you do and you're damn if you don't. And I think we're all going through that. Now, how does that help or hinder the development and the buoyancy of talent in this industry is exactly what we're trying to understand. I predict that it will be different by age, by social status, by provenance, by geography, because we find that it's really, really different. And this industry will, learn to, will have to learn to be as flexible uh, as it claims to be, and agile as it can be when it comes to finding creative solutions, when it comes to find business solutions, we're going to have to apply our, our marketing skills to our own talent, I think, to find the right answer. That's a great question. Fab answer. I'm going to be told off. Yeah, okay. I thought maybe I could squeeze one in, but looks like not. Thank you so much, Alessandra. I'm sorry for taking up too much time with the intro, but no. that was some really wonderful insights there. Thank you very and, much. Um, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you all thank across you very the much. two days. Thank Thanks. You. So thanks very much to Alessandra Bellini for her time and insights at Media360 in Brighton. Thank you to Gideon for hosting this week's podcast. And thank you to our new producer, Aidan Lyons from Rethink Audio for helping us to put the podcast together. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to the campaign podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also check out our website, campaignlive.co.uk to stay up to date with everything that's going on in Adland. If you're not yet a subscriber, please visit campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership for details about how you can get full access. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.